everybody, and welcome to another episode of Opposites React, where we just talk about random stuff for a little bit. I am Sarah, and I'm here with my husband, Tyler. Hello. Well, let's start with what we've been playing. To be honest, I don't really have anything new to report in terms of MLB The Show or Apex, so I'll just defer to you if you want to talk about Animal Crossing or Final Fantasy VII or whatever. I opened Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> I played it for, like, two hours, and I went back to Persona because I could not get into it. Final Fantasy? Yeah. I'll give it a shot eventually, but I'm way more excited for Trials of Mana than I was mm. for Final Fantasy anyways. Like, I didn't intend to buy the copy of Final Fantasy. I just refused to send you to the store to get, <laughs> like, sick. So, right. yeah, I got stuck. Anyways, yeah, i just been playing Animal Crossing and Persona, really. And all is well in there. Nature Day starts tomorrow, so see what happens there. New, um... Is it calling it Nature Day? I believe so. It's not Earth, it's, Earth Day? Oh, well, no, I believe it's called Nature Day. Oh. Um, but yeah, and some of the normal, what is it, shopkeepers will be coming back in the game, but still waiting for Tortimer, still waiting for the cops, still waiting to collect gyroids. So I will be excited eventually for all those things, but not yet. I don't know. What else have you been... You've watched a couple movies, but nothing crazy? You watched Red Eye the other day, and... Yeah, I've been like rewatching some movies. Yeah. I haven't watched anything new recently. Um, like to be honest, this this Friday will be will be decent. There's that new Netflix movie coming uh, out, the Chris Hemsworth one called Extraction that I'm kind of looking forward to watching. And there's also that new series coming to the Apple TV service. Ah, uh, yes, that. Too. Um, actually, you know, one thing I can talk about really briefly is I did finish it today. Remember? Oh, I, the Quibi. Yeah, the Quibi show I was watching okay. called Most Dangerous Game. Yeah, so today I didn't was today it. was the final episode. Fifteen episodes in that series. During your uninterrupted lunch at home hours. That's right. <laughs> So yeah, um, I will say I really like that. Again, that's the only show on Quibi that I've watched to completion so far. I watched mm. a couple other series. I'm kind of halfway through them right now. But yeah, Most Dangerous Game just wrapped up today because today was the final episode was okay. released. Um, and it's it's I think it's a good show. It's worth watching. Because I said the total runtime is probably, if each episode's around eight or nine minutes, 15 episodes, it's close to what, two, maybe two hours for the course of the whole okay. series. But um yeah, I think it's worthwhile. It does wrap up kind of quickly. Like you can tell, this last episode, it's like okay, so there's a, there's a definite conclusion, and it kind of ends on like a, a teaser cliffhanger to leave, leave it leave it open for a season two. Mm-hmm. Um, season two, yeah, if you want to call it that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it wrapped up a little quick, but again, when you're watching, when you see how the episode begins, you're like, hey, there's eight minutes left in this episode, and you know this is a final episode. You can tell just like mm-hmm. by the title, and you're like, okay, so they're gonna wrap this up pretty quickly. Is it gonna feel satisfying? It kind of does. Okay. I mean. But I won't spoil it. Just I think it's still worth a watch. Like I said, it's, it's basically the length of a, of a movie. So if you're going to... You can sit down and binge it all a couple hours if you want. And you can split it up over a couple of viewings. But I showed, I showed my mom a few episodes on the weekend. Like I got like episode four or five with her. And then she was kind of hooked. So I said, yeah, come back and watch it again sometime. Yeah, yeah. I got to figure out a way to put it on the TV. Yeah, because at the, at the moment they don't allow you to Chromecast it. Uh, I guess if you hooked it up directly through like an HDMI adapter yeah, or something, you can I have do it that those, way. So but I'll do that to you. I'm sure in the future they said they're going to patch in some kind of option to, yep. to a Chromecast or a, now, another app, an app I'll option on a smart up. TV. But yeah, for now it's it's on mobile only. But cool. Yeah, I'll report back if I I started another show the other day called uh, The Stranger. It's okay. about a first episode is just about uh, so you got like a younger girl in her 20s. She's like an Uber. She's like an Uber driver, but they don't call it Uber on this show. Of they, they, they made up some ride sharing thing called Orbit or something. So she's <laughs> like an Orbit driver. So she picks up this younger guy also in his probably late 20s from like a mansion up on the hills in California. I think it's in California. It's set somewhere out west. Uh, she picks up this young guy and, you know, he seems charming enough. They're, they're kind of hitting it off. They're talking in the car and stuff. And then she says, um, 
she's like, oh, sort of like, are you famous or something? And he's like, why? And she's like, well, because you're like my age. And I just picked you up from like a mansion on the, on the hills there. And he's like, oh, that's not my house. And she's like, oh, so you just live there. He's like, no, I don't know who lives there. And then she and then it's, re- oh. it's revealed like he's he's like I just knocked on the door recently and when the woman answered the door I shot her in the face so it's just revealed that he killed the family uh. that lived there called like a, an Uber driver or whatever an Uber driver in this yeah. case so now he's just gonna play a game with this girl he basically tells her like you're gonna drive me around tonight so it's and, like collateral um well I mean in collateral I, I don't know it's hard to say I mean in collateral like. We're, not, okay, we're gonna get off topic here, but in collateral, like you know, Tom Cruise's character is a, is a hitman. He's there to do a job. Yeah. In this case, we don't even know. This guy could be lying for all we know. I mean, yeah. we don't or he the, could be a hitman. He could be a psycho, or he could. Yeah, he could be a. Who knows? Like I said, I'm only one episode in, but the first episode, the pilot hooked me enough to make me want to watch mm-hmm. it some more. So I will report back when I watch some more of that. Is probably. that one also finished on the on the service? Or I have no idea. I think they're up to like ten episodes or so so far. Maybe more than ten. I don't know. But I haven't really looked that far ahead. I don't want to look too far ahead because I don't want to spoil mm. things. Like, I'd rather just kind of go with the flow each episode. And... You love your spoilers, though. Yeah. I'm trying to be better. <laughs> <laughs> um, your life lacks surprises. Oh, if we want to talk about one more gaming thing before we move on to our main topic tonight, we finished Danganronpa. We did. Tyler fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, I knew I knew the ending was going to drag on. But, man, those visual novels, they just... there's. I don't mind like I like I was really hooked by the way Steinsgate ended. Like I wanted to see like I'm talking about not the one I'm talking I'm not talking about the one we played recently. Yeah. The um what was it called? Extra the, whatever. I don't even remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, they were like the first Steinsgate we played. I really yeah. love how that ended. But most visual novels, from at least from what I've seen so far, they tend to have a lot, like obviously a ton of exposition at the end. They gotta wrap up all these plot mm-hmm. lines and stuff. And I feel like a lot of times they're just going in circles, repeating the same mm-hmm. things over and over. And I just yeah, I kinda dozed off. Yeah, <laughs> and, I had to do so much reading by myself right. and it was just like Wow. And then I woke up enough to see the actual ending. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's it? I mean, that's kind of inconclusive. But, but that's the point. This is a sequel. And then, of course, there's a post credit scene. It makes uh. it more confusing. <laughs> so <laughs> well, we'll, we'll dig into number two on Friday. Well, what would you rate out of 10 as a whole experience, not including the part you fell asleep? I would say... I would say it was a solid 9 out of 10 up until the ending, and I'm going to have to say now it's a 7 out of 10. In my Ouch, two yeah. whole docked points. Okay. Yeah. Well, you fell asleep, so who? how do you well, know? Well, that kind of speaks to the rating there, doesn't it? If I'm falling no, asleep it was at the a, ending. It was, you were just tired. I was tired. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll grant it. I'll give it that. But also, I just feel like I, it didn't end the way. I, I didn't feel the ending was really earned. I explain, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but I explained this to you off, off, yeah. off microphone here. I said to you, there's like, too many twists at the end that weren't foreshadowed. I'm like, but I feel that they were. Okay, if you say so. But you were having, yeah, I don't know. How many hours do you think it took us to beat that game, like from start to finish? Uh, I'd say twenty-five. Yeah. So we, we, are, we, are we gonna recommend someone put twenty-five hours into this? Is it- I do. I love this one. I like it just as much as Steinsgate. After we finish the second one, I'll, I'll maybe I'll reflect better on this one, depending on how the second. I'm one excited because I haven't yeah. finished the second one before, so okay. now I'm going to actually have to start paying attention yeah, and actually fresh, answering right. questions, not just stare at you like, "Oh, what twist is coming to you?" <laughs> right. <laughs> who do you think did this? I think every time you asked me, I was wrong, and who I guessed yes. it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, you were. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got for us this week on topics? So. uh I was going to preface this by saying, I know usually on the podcast, we sort of split. I wouldn't even say we split. Like we talk about movies and video games. And I'd say lately we've obviously been trending more towards movies than the video game portion. Mm-hmm. I think we started out 50-50, and then the last few weeks we've kind of drifted towards movies heavily or series or whatever. I've been learning. Just because we haven't been playing a lot of different video games. We don't want to talk about like Apex and Animal Crossing every week. It just gets a little redundant. So that's why I try to mix up the topics. But today we are going to talk strictly about video games. I don't have any movie stuff to talk about. Okay. So unfortunately, if you're not a video game fan, <laughs> I know, you're probably going to want to tune out now. I'm always going to talk, hear me talk about video games for the next 30 minutes or so. But uh, if you're a video game fan, then hopefully you'll get something <laughs> out of this. 
So what I was thinking today was, as you know, anybody who listens to this probably already knows I like my lists. I'm yes. a list guy. I like to be organized. There's a notebook with lists. I don't understand how you keep all your baseball cards written down and cross-checking them. And... Yeah, I have the list. Oh, I have boy. the notebook in front of me here, and it's not really like... Uh, I should put like dates on stuff, because <laughs> I just have random baseball stuff mixed in with movie stuff, and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking for. Okay, but I got the page here that we need. Okay. So, I have 10 games on this list, and my... my um, plan this week was to pick 10 games from the previous video game generation so, so we're talking PS3, about 360 we we you yeah i didn't put any wii u games on here <laughs> actually there's to be honest there's no nintendo games on this list well no, no nintendo first party games anyway I, I guess some of these probably could maybe one or two of these are on switch i'm not sure maybe one of them but or not switch i mean i meant the wii but uh no this game is these lists is specifically pretty much for ps3 and 360 games okay um maybe more training towards ps3 when i look at this list now but uh i'm gonna go in order here chronologically i organize them from date of release so we're just gonna go in that order um but what are you listing oh right uh so 10 (laughs) sorry 10 games from last generation uh that i feel are as (laughs) i feel like i'm kind of beating a dead horse with this topic but the last few weeks i've sort of been trying to uh zero in on on games or movies or stuff that are like underappreciated or like you know, like a, like a gem in the rough kind of a thing. Because I mean, mm. we could talk about I could talk about Grand Theft Auto Five, or I could talk about Uncharted, like all the series people already know. But you you can get that information anywhere else. Like if you're gonna come to this podcast, I want to try and give you something, a different perspective. Maybe something you maybe you'll pick up. Even if, even if you only pick up one of the games on this list you haven't heard of before, or that I intrigue you on, then then I've done my job. I just want to try and push some more options your way and, and open your mind to some other games you may not have have heard of, or maybe you heard of them and you didn't really give it a serious thought. So you thought. You know, some of these some of these games on this list are from franchises, mm-hmm. like long running franchises, where maybe you just got tired of the franchise, so you didn't play these games, or you just kind of like poo pooed the entry because you thought, oh well, you know, I got other stuff to play. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. I'm not gonna bother spending ten hours on that. But anyways, I digress. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's get into the list. So starting in 2009 was when this game released. Uh, I think it might have been a PS3 exclusive. I'm not 100 percent sure, uh, but the game in this case it was published by EA. And developed by developed by a studio. I think it was Pan, I want to say Pandemic. I don't think they're a studio anymore. I think they folded years ago. But uh, called the Saboteur. Oh, it was not a PS3 exclusive. <laughs> no, you're right. Now that I think about it. It was on 360. I played it on well. 360. Why am I thinking that PS3 has maybe it has the exclusive DLC or something? I have so, no it had idea. Something on PS3 different from the Xbox. But anyways, the Saboteur is basically a game. I think it's set during World War II. It takes place in Paris, or mostly it takes place in Paris, I should say. Do you know that from memory? I read the synopsis. Okay, I was going to say, because I don't even remember where it happened. Well, I do do remember that it took place. I'm pretty sure the cover art of the game shows like the Eiffel Tower in the background or something. Does it really? I could be wrong. But (laughs) uh, it does take place in Paris. I know that. Now, the funny thing about it, though, is you play an Irish guy. So you're an Irish guy in France. Yeah. Um, And it has to do with you, like, taking down Nazis. (laughs) Yeah. During the World War II times. So... Uh, what what I remember about the game, and you know, I know you know a little bit about the game too, so you can chime in too. What I remember about the game that stood out to me, I haven't beaten the game for context, so I can't say that like it's an amazing game from personal experience. I played it a little bit, but I definitely didn't beat it. But I, I remember think what I rented stood it. Out to me. Yeah, I don't think I beat it from the renting. So again, the game's over ten years old, but I, th- I still think it would hold up as a decent playthrough nowadays. But I, well, I think what it stood out to me was there's a really cool mechanic in the game where. Uh, when you're trying to like overtake these like Nazi strongholds and uh, clearing zones and areas in France or whatever, like everything's in black and white. And then as you clear an area, you bring color back. Yeah, I would kind of explain it. It's like a GTA like, and yeah. think of GTA world, in like, but in like city blocks. 
So yeah. you would take over a city block, and that mm-hmm. city block would gain its color back. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everything's in black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, it's a standard third-person, like, open world, yeah. like, seriously, kind of like a GTA clone set in France. Uh, but I, I remember it... I love that mechanic, though. Yeah, the mechanic like was cool. back the town. I remember the gameplay being fine. Like, I'm sure nowadays it would feel a little oh, updated, probably. but for the time in that generation... But again, it would have been a fairly early generation... Or game for that generation, like it came out what three years into the PS3 cycle, I think. So I don't know if I'd call that early. I'd call that mid-cycle. Yeah. Okay. Mid-cycle, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> now that I think about it. All right. Uh, that's what the game that stood out to me. I'm trying to think. Not really. The, the one thing I had was that mechanic. I can't remember. Yeah. The voice acting was half decent. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't remember being buggy or anything. No. It, 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 it was a fairly confident game. I just, I, but again, I don't think it was really. It didn't went, stand out in critically the or commercially. It didn't no. uh, didn't stand out, so that's why unfortunately I think EA folded up that studio and probably transferred the staff elsewhere. But um, yeah, anyways, saboteur. Well, I probably didn't sell you on that one. I was any good, one. but I, the other ones on this list. I really I'm, I'm enjoyed more... that one. I like it more than GTA. Which GTA? Any of them. More GTA Four. Come on, let's be honest. You like GTA I have 4. okay. I like what? watching you play GTA Four and Five. I like watching both of those. But I can't play them. I can play this game. Or just got the small text in the Rockstar the text games or whatever. really yeah. is epically too small <laughs> in GTA games, and they never fix it. Yeah. So, but I loved playing this game. I felt like I could play this game. It was accessible to me. All right. Uh, next one on the list came out in 2010. This is an Ubisoft game, uh, and it is part of a franchise, although not a non-existent franchise nowadays, unfortunately. But I, I the really... last thing was a movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the game in this case is Prince of Persia, The Forgotten Sands. This is the only Prince of Persia game I've ever played. Really? Yeah. I remember playing the heck out of the PS2, the original like Sands of Time back on PS2. I know they remastered and stuff on yeah. the PS3, but um, I didn't play, I don't think I played any of Warrior Within, and what was the third one called? The Two Thrones or something? Yeah, Two Thrones or Two Thorns? Was it Thrones? I think it was Thrones. Okay. Yeah. Also but nice. yeah, there was like an original trilogy on PS2, and then they did that other one. Like this one came out in 2010. There was another one that came out before, so I think in 2008. Mm-hmm. That was one that was kind of like a cell shaded, and it was more like you were like collecting orbs and stuff. I remember the mechanic mm. being like it was, very, it was very different from the traditional. You still had like the. I think you, yeah, you still had like the rewind mechanic, and everything, which is what Sands of Time was popular for, is being able to like if you fell down a pit, you could rewind yourself. Right? And they don't have that. In this one? No, they do. Okay, but I'm just say. saying. I think I that, that that's all I remember about the 2008 version was that it still had that rewind mechanic, but everything else in the game was totally different. Okay, like, it didn't feel like a traditional Prince of Persia game. Like I think in that one, there's a lot more like one-on-one sword fighting, whereas mm. these Prince of Persia games do more about fighting crowds. Oh, really? Well, at least this one is. I remember in this one in Forgotten Sands, it's almost kind of like a Batman Arkham Asylum type thing where you're constantly countering and fighting off yeah. co- combos okay. and stuff. Yeah. Okay. No, this is definitely. This one also introduced something interesting. It's like you have like four elemental powers you can unlock during the game, like fire, water, ice, and wind, or whatever. Uh, Yeah, I I, I remember this game, like like most Prince Persia games, it's fairly short. I think you probably beat in eight to ten hours. Yep. And I did platinum it on the PS3. Yeah, yeah. Because I I remember the trophies not being too hard. I don't think there's any difficulty related ones. So. Again, I know, again, we're talking about a game that's 10 years old here, but I feel like if you found a used copy somewhere or if it's, I don't know, if you can get it on PSN for like five or 10 bucks, I would definitely grab it because I think it's, it still it's looks, it looks pretty good for a 10 year old game. I think it looks good. It, it's a fun, um, you know, action adventure. Even if you've never played a Prince of Persia game like, before. Like, yeah, it captured me and I've never played one before, but I had yeah. a lot of fun just exploring this and, mm-hmm. yeah, just beating up baddies, I guess. If you like, if you like voice acting, I know for a fact, I remember the voice actor for this, I'm pretty sure. The 2008 version, the one that I mentioned earlier, I think that was voiced by Nolan North. Was it really? Yeah. 
This one is voiced by, I'm going to pronounce, probably pronounce his name wrong, Yuri Lowenthal. And oh. he's the guy who most recently, he did most recently did the, the really good job with Peter Parker in the Spider-Man game that came out for PS4. Oh. I thought he was a great Peter Parker. Okay. So he does a really good job. I remember with the prince as well. I remember the voice acting being good. Okay, interesting. I didn't know that. So check that out. Next one, also from 2010. Uh... Again, I, I I can't remember who... I think Disney published this one, developed yeah. by a company who doesn't exist anymore. Like I said, unfortunately, a company that folded. But I really like this game, and I think it uh, has it has good word of mouth. Like anybody who's played, I think, enjoys it, but mm-hmm. I think it, it's hard to... At the time, it wasn't really... Maybe there was a lot of racing games back then, so it didn't stand out in the field. But for True. me, this game is called Split Second. And the cool mechanic here is it's not like a traditional racing game. It's about... Uh, you raced, I think, against eight or ten other people like uh in a in a usually like a three-lap race or something but along the way you trigger like explosive events around the arena and it's like yeah. so like if you drive through a city and uh there'll be like two two cars in front of you like say you're in third and there's two cars in front of you you can press like a tr- it'll prompt you. you can press a trigger button to cause like a bridge to blow up or uh, a building to collapse and kind of like alter the route yeah and then next time you go through that lap it's different you might have a ramp now you might have a different fork on the road you know what i mean it was it changed the arena it's kind of had like did it have them like mario kart pickups and that was one of the pickups was that you could change the track like a weapon almost like a, yeah i, I feel like you remember. had to pick that up because it didn't always change i thought it was just like a bar you had that regenerated like over time you just trigger it? more oh, things yeah. you know i feel like you had to collect things in order I mean, to use right. the i haven't played the game in a long time but i remember like, re- like it's I, one of my favorite racing games yeah. ever like it's it was there's, just so fun. There's like different cars from unlocked, different courses. There's always I think there's like a point structure. It's like I have to get so many points yes. on a certain tournament or course to unlock the next one. Yeah. But it's just one of those games that just like really made you want to keep playing, keep playing, and do it more because the and find the best routes. And you always had to figure mm-hmm. out like the best route after the thing changed. He was like, oh my goodness, and he didn't know it. Sometimes you go around the track and you didn't even know it changed yet. And it's like, oh well. I think if I remember correctly, there's like different route. levels of things you could exp- like. There'd be like little explosions yeah. and like really, really big ones. You, so you could like almost like wait and build up your meter to trigger like a huge event that would like alter the track. Right. Or you can do a bunch of little ones to like just like destroy the car in front of you and, and get the lead. But yeah, it was a really cool game. And uh, again, I think it still looks pretty good visually for a 10 year old game. Like it would probably wouldn't look terrible if you put it on like a, you know, 60 inch TV or something. Yeah. But yeah, split second. Check it out. Probably hard to find a copy in the wild nowadays, I would imagine. So I don't know if, I don't know if it's on digital or not. I don't know. But, it was a Disney and Disney is really. Yeah hit or miss with digital so um <laughs> okay i got uh got three games here from 2011 so we'll do, i put my alphabetical order i guess in this case so we'll just go with the first one which is uh, recently i think as of last year i want to say i got a re-release like a remastered uh version on on current gen it was a uh, bullet storm oh yes that was also published by ea and i think developed by people can fly yeah if i remember correctly that's correct. yeah the bullet storm at the time it came out it was it is a first person shooter it has a very interesting mechanic where you basically you want to kill enemies in creative ways and you get points. Uh, like the points are up on the screen almost like an arcade game. Like you'll kick a guy. And then you have a and, leash too and you can right, use a leash. Right, you have like an electric leash. But let's just say like uh, if a, guy's running, a guy's like sprinting at you, you can kick a guy and say you kick him and like you impale him on a rock or something yep. and the screen will show up and say like plus 500 points. Yeah. Or if it's like the first time you did something, you get like a thousand for the yep. first time you unlock a new uh, fatality or not fatality, like a new death uh, animation. Yeah. But then as over time, you just get like capped at a certain number, lower number. So they want you to be creative with the kills. They mm-hmm. want to say like, you know, maybe like stick a grenade on a guy and then use your leash and throw him in the air. Yeah. And they get more points. You know, yep. there's always combo aspects. Like there is like, there's a story mode, obviously. There's a pretty good story mode, in my opinion, but there's also like this arcade mode where you just try and get really creative mm-hmm. with all the combos and kills and stuff. Uh, 
the game is very uh it has a funny story but it is very vulgar yes <laughs> There's a lot of swearing For a lot of crude sure. jokes but so it's sort of like um what would you compare it to at the time? Something like a... The gameplay or the... Like a, like a, like a, like a first-person shooter with a crude story. It would be like a... No, I don't want to say like a Duke Nukem because that's not doing a credit. Well, they put him in the remake, so... Did they really? Yeah, I didn't know that. The, yeah, oh, he's a character in it. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it, it's a really fun game. Again, it's pretty short. You'll probably be in six, seven hours like this, the campaign. It's not particularly hard. A couple of boss fights might be hard, I remember, but it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun game. It's, it's a good... Uh, you didn't even mention the best part. Fine, you mentioned the best part then. The theme song is amazing. It, it was like my hype music <laughs> on the bus to school. <laughs> I listened to that all the time. It was awesome. Oh, just go listen to it on YouTube, please. Yeah, go YouTube the menu music and just listen to that for a couple minutes. It is pretty great. I'm pretty sure the music it was done by Steve Jablonski, who is a really good. He's a Hollywood Hollywood uh, oh, composer. That familiar. He, uh, I know he, for a fact, he did, like, the first few Transformers films. Oh. First Transformers film had a really good soundtrack. Yes, it did. He's done other video games, too. I can't remember specifically what, but I, when I see his name come up, I'm kind of intrigued. Because I think he's a good composer. I love he, he does some good work in this one. Uh, the next game on my list, I'm going to have to actually put this game on, on the list just for you. So I'm going to defer to you, because I haven't, I barely played this one. I wouldn't be able to tell you anything about it. But I know you have a soft spot for it, and it's Dragon Age 2. <laughs> People just like to hate on this game, and I understand why, for sure. Okay, tell me, explain to me in, in a quick summary, why is it so different from Origins? Everybody says... It's not different. Okay, well, kind of different. Yeah. Where Origins, Origins is more about like the six different races, and you're going out to save the world. Where this one is, you are given a character. And you are given such a restricted place to travel that it feels like it should have been an expansion, like an, a separate character expansion or something like that, because it had a really short development time. They didn't, uh, I think it was out a year, maybe a year and a half after the original. So it was just kind of, you go into the dungeons and it's literally the same dungeon every time, but you can see in the archway, there's bricks one time and the other and then the next time is an archway but the exact same like it's not not layout but look every time and it's just really weird like but in a way it makes me feel like it's a first person dungeon crawler in a way and it's like uh, that always morphs and i love those kind of games um and the characters in this one i really liked except for the elf that hates mages Mm -hmm. it's like wrong you shouldn't be an elf that hates mages it's just icky is is the combat the same in two pretty much like, I'm not sure. I didn't play the PC version, and PC is usually the way that people play this game because it's, it's very different. It's almost, the, like, it's almost like turn-based, isn't it? Like it's, more, it's like um, stop-in, yeah. like, tactical. It's way more tactical on right. PC than it is on console, and I only played on console, so I played it the same way. But uh, I really enjoyed the Hawk character, and I really enjoyed the story. The story still has its twists and turns, and I enjoyed every character, I'm pretty sure, except for the elf. But and then in the end, I loved him. I made him love me as a mage, so... We're, we're even but i don't know like people like to hate on it but i think people should give it a chance it is a little constricted and it does feel a little budgety compared to the first one but i don't know it's it does not deserve the hate that it gets i assume you story-wise should you play origins before you play two like if you just go straight into two you're gonna be lost like you don't know what's going yeah, on yeah i don't yeah i think you could start with two though also mm-hmm. like i don't think the story is super intersect but i could be totally wrong i don't really remember <laughs> i have to go back and replay it there was so much stuff that I just kind of I only played it once and I don't I've never even tried any other classes so I gotta give it another shot cool uh, oh man the next one on the list is one of my like favorite games from the last generation I know I'm gonna guess uh, and it's I feel it's criminally underrated I feel like it did not get the the recognition it should have uh, 
Ubisoft game came out in 2011. Driver San Francisco. I remember buying you this game. It was your reward for passing your like exams for yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited to play this game because I heard so many good things about it, and I don't know. I just I, I was hooked from the first moment. Like there's like a there's, an, there's like maybe like a six or seven uh, minute opening cinematic in this game, like a CGI cinematic that sets up the story that just hooked me right away. I'm like, okay, I went in just expecting a cool driving game, but now it's actually you're telling me it's actually got a cool story and a really cool twist behind it that I'm not going to spoil here because that's how cool I think it is. Is go out to go in blind to this game, and once the once, within the first hour, you'll see what the hook on this game is, the big twist, and from there it's just amazing. You're looking at me with a blank stare. Like you know I know, what I'm about. but I don't know if it's a twist or not. Like, is it part of the gameplay that's the twist? Well, I didn't mean to say twist. Maybe. Well, I mean there is a twist later on, but. It's just a really cool, like, story I know what the mechanic is. Yeah. Okay. The main mechanic. But aside from that, let's just say the driving is amazing. The game, it basically starts off by having you doing... uh, It's kind of open world-ish, like... But you don't really... It's not... Obviously, like, you never get out of your car. Like, the the movie... The game is all about driving in between these cinematics. So, the point is, like, you're tracking down this criminal. So, along the way, you're doing all these little missions. um, And you... The game has obviously like uh, set up like most open world games. Like the map will be restricted at first, like a small mm-hmm. part of the city of San Francisco. And as you uh, finish missions and unlock more skills, you open up bigger parts of the city. And uh, and from there, it's just yeah, you do a bunch of side missions. There's main missions. There's uh, there's races, you, like checkpoint races, you can do where you're just like driving through you know, gates. Yeah, there's stunt missions. Cool thing is like go off ramps and catch some air, or like drive you know an oncoming traffic for thirty seconds, that kind of stuff. Like it's. For the time, like for the generation, pretty standard like mission fares. But um, I don't know if I had to describe it in a weird way. I would say it's almost like if Crazy Taxi had a story. <laughs> That's okay. how I could feel like I could describe it. The driving is cool. It's very arcadey. The driving yeah. is definitely not like you're drifting a lot. There's boost. It's not like it's in a simulation race mm-hmm. or anything. But uh, it was a really good game. And I honestly, I was always wishing they were going to do a sequel or some other kind of iteration of this. And I think pretty sure it's it's dead in the water i can't remember if the studio that uh made this is still around i think it was called reflections or something i don't oh know if they're boy, still i haven't heard about them yeah so they might be we got folded into something else but i think it's a great game and like i said this one came out 2011 so it came out kind of near the end of the of that console gen or that the ps3 generation because like they were already talking about the ps4 at that point which came out in 2013 so uh yeah, it's a really good game, though, I think, and you should definitely check it out. Uh, if you're any kind of a racing fan or if you like a crazy story with some racing mechanics in it, mm-hmm. definitely check it out. Uh, okay, next we will go to... I got two games on this list from 2012, and we'll start off with... Now, this will obviously be... When I say this game, you're going to say, how is that game under underrated, underappreciated? Because everybody's probably heard of this game or played it back when it came out, but I feel like because this franchise is still ongoing and has had many other iterations since this game came out in 2012. But I feel like this one uh, not only had a great story, but also set the table in a lot of ways for the multiplayer foundation for what this franchise became. So in this case, we're going with Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Okay. Now, I think everybody everybody loves Black Ops 1. I don't think anybody has anything bad to say about Black <laughs> Ops 1. Black Ops 2, again, at the time, I think everybody loved it. But I think over time, people have turned on it a little bit. Or maybe just not giving it the recognition I think it deserves for is, some reasons. Go is ahead. that the one with the in between mission weird things? So this is the one. It does have a like a okay. So first off, what I'll set up is this is like the first Call of Duty game where they had different endings, like branching paths right. where the story could go. Now, my opinion too, I think this game has one of the best villains in the whole series. Okay, the villain Raul Raul Menendez in Call of Duty Black Ops Two is one of the best. 
Now, you have your usual list of awesome Hollywood actors. Most of the people that did Black Ops 1 are back in this one. Like, you okay. have the main character back, Alec Mason. Alec? Or Alex. I can't remember. Maybe Alex Mason. <laughs> uh, and then you have, like, Gary Oldman's back, chewing yeah. up the scenery as, as Reznov. He's great. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and you have... Uh, so, in this one, like, I think what you're referring to is they, this this game introduced... Now, this, this was a one-off. So, Black Ops 2 is the only game that did this in the series. They kind of ditched it after this. But they had these missions called Strike Force missions. Yeah. Where it was almost like playing an RTS. Yes. And the idea was, if you finish these missions, you could alter the course of the campaign. Like you would make, you would push you towards certain endings. I think okay. there's like four or five different endings in the game. So if you did really good at these RTS missions, oh, so it was a, that's what it was dependent on the endings. I think you could still get the ending you want, but it was easier if you did the RTS version. You could okay. skip them, but I think then you had to pretty much like follow a guide to get the correct mm. ending you wanted. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to explain. Looking into spoilers here, but there's just like there's like a whole new Cold War thing going on. And by doing these strike force missions, you're like altering the path like towards your side to make it easier for you to get the proper ending. Okay. Basically, like if you don't if you fail these missions or if you skip them, then the, the world's kind of going to crap. Like okay. the terrorists are going to win, so you're going to get the bad ending. You know what right. I mean? So, uh, but also with the multiplayer on Black Ops Two, they introduced something. Well, two things that are pretty important to the the franchise foundation. The first one being they introduced something called the Pick 10 system. And that's where you had more freedom than Black Ops 1, where in this one, you basically had like 10 points or slots to allocate to your loadout. And you could choose... So if you wanted to just load up on like five perks and only have a couple of attachments or have like six perks and not have a secondary weapon, you could do that. You oh, could, okay. Or you could have no perks and have like eight attachments <laughs> on your guns. You know what okay. I mean? You could use a lot of customization and open up a lot of avenues for people to do different loadouts and right. more is restricted. And also, uh, whereas Black Ops 1 and... and uh, I came before Black Ops, like the, the Modern Warfare games and yep. stuff. They were all big on like kill streaks in yes. the multiplayer to get your UAVs and your care packages and yep. stuff like that. This one introduced something called score streaks, which was so because they were worried about people worrying about their KD and stuff too much and not right. playing the objectives in modes like t- uh, uh, what do you call it, um, domination and capture the flag and search and destroy and stuff right. like that. So now score streaks, you could still get those UAVs and care packages and stuff if you just played the objectives. So even if right. you're not good at shooting, if you, just want, if you still want to be a support teammate, you could still like capture the points, capture the flag, hold the headquarters thing, stuff like that, and still get your awesome kill streaks. Right. You know, so I think that was an important way too to open it up to a different avenue of players. So I think those two things, which are still very much prevalent in the Call of Duties that come out nowadays, those came out like eight years ago. Right. So I think those are big on uh, a long-lasting impact on the franchise. But but is that stuff still in it? Or is that... It's never come back? Like, I... Well, the most recent... So the... Um, what is it now? The Call of Duty Modern Warfare... Modern Warfare? That's yeah. One. Yeah, the most recent re- reboot they did or whatever, right? Um I think it has score streaks in it, and I don't think it doesn't exactly have that pick ten system. They tweaked it a little bit, uh, because now like you can you have to like a um, you can only have so many attachments on your guns, and I can't remember exactly. It's been so long since I played it, but <laughs> I know I know in the previous iterations, like after Black Ops, like you had Black Ops three, you had Advanced yeah. Warfare, Infinite Warfare, all that kind of stuff. I know those those things were all still part of that multiplayer that that makeup. So okay. I think Black Ops 2 is an important game in the Call of Duty franchise. I think it doesn't get enough love. Especially, if, I think the story was amazing. I said the villain was awesome. Well, did had, Black Ops 3 story ruin it? I did not like the Black Ops 3 story <laughs> at, all, at all. It was terrible. Uh, like, Black Ops 2 was before they started getting too futuristic right. with their weaponry Jet and stuff. Jetpacks and yeah. stick to walls and stuff. Okay, going to move along here. The next game on the list uh, also came out in 2012 called The Darkness 2. Oh, yes. Now, as the number implies, it is a sequel <laughs> to a game called The Darkness, which I think came out back in, I want to say, 08 for like yeah. ps3 and 360 
Uh, now this one is very, it has the same main character as The Darkness, but they do it in a totally different way with the presentation and the art style. Like the first one, they're both like first person shooters, but the first one was very like dark and grimy and like just, which was the whole point. You were like in this mafia underworld and stuff. And there was like some hell, you, you, you went to hell in a few times, something like that to, to do some story stuff in the first darkness. So in this one though, they went with like a cell shaded style for the, uh, for the visuals and, uh, but it still works. Like it's still a super violent game. You still got the same voice actors back, which are great. Like for the main character and his, uh, his demon friend, who I can't remember the name of, but basically in the darkest, you're, you're a character who's like a, uh, like young enforcer in the mob or you're related to a mob member or something. I don't remember exactly. Jackie Estacado is your character's name. And the whole point of the first game was like your, your love Jenny was killed. And the whole point of the first game is about you like giving into the darkness, like this demon that controls you and you get revenge for her death. So in the second one, you still have like all these visions and premonitions of her. And apparently there's like some kind of way that you might be able to save her in this one. If you can like, if you can help, help the demon out and he'll do you a favor, like get him back to hell or something. So right. Uh, this one had a, this one also, what, what this one stood out to me, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a standard first person shooter game. It has some cool abilities with the demon stuff. It was so to me as a story. So it has a couple of different endings and one of the endings is super dark and definitely left a cliffhanger open for another game, which I don't think they're ever going to fulfill. But at the time it was like, oh man, that's a cool ending. Like I thought this game was going in a direction and, uh, I'm sorry to say that it, it, this was published by 2K. I'm not exactly sure who developed it. I'm not even sure if they're still a valid studio, but, uh, at the time, yeah, again, I think I think it came out, unfortunately, 2012. It came out at a time where people maybe were getting a little tired of shooters. If you weren't a fan of the first Darkness game, this one really didn't do anything for you because you didn't have any connection to mm. the first one. So I feel like it critically and commercially didn't do great. Uh, but I think it's a really cool game. Yeah, it's... Uh, I think you can still find some copies of Kicking Around Out in the Wild, too. Physical copies not too hard to find. You probably find a used place for 10 bucks or whatever, so... Check it out if you're into some cool, like, supernatural, like, demon first-person shooting and stuff. And when I say demons, I don't mean it's not like Doom or anything like that. I'm not trying to get that point across. Like, you you have, like, a demon control. You have, like, these demon arms that come out of you. And you have, like, all these abilities where you just, like, snatch guys up and rip them in half and stuff. And you can, I'm pretty sure you can dual wheel. Like, you can still shoot with one hand and, like, use your demon arm with the other hand to, like, rip guys apart. <laughs> I like your visual um, representation of this while you're talking. Yeah, I'm using my hands a lot. <laughs> you can't see, but I'm, I'm being a little dramatic here. Okay, uh, two more games on the list, and uh, this next one will be short, but uh, anybody who knows me knows I am a baseball fan. What? What? So, MLB The Show, one of, well, nowadays it's pretty much the only, like, There is baseball. more. Yeah, there's some new baseball franchises that are trying to come out and compete, like that RBI baseball and some other thing, but for the last, like, almost 10 years, MLB The Show on PlayStation has been, like, where you get your baseball fix. Like, ever since 2K stopped making baseball games, uh... Sony San Diego who makes MLB the show they pretty much had a monopoly on this yes, sort of thing so much. now I chose in 2013 I chose MLB 13 the show as an important one on this list and why I think it's important is again sort of similar to what I mentioned on Black Ops 2 MLB 13 the show sets up some very important very important guidelines for how the game has evolved to where it is nowadays especially when it comes to the online features so specifically in 2013 they introduced an offline mode called road to the show mm-hmm. which is really cool for people at the time it's sort of like your well most it's games would have player. like a, like a creative player like yeah. a my career mode so you'd have your you create a baseball player you choose a position you bring him up through the minors you get drafted by a team etc you have a could you feed guy. him cards uh or not yet. no this wasn't connected to that at all okay. this was this was different. nowadays they have integrated road to the show more into that but right. at the time it was it was something that baseball fans were clamoring for and they definitely got with it like, over the years it road to the show definitely evolved that gave you more features like you know 
more customization options for your character, more ways to have like these, you know, every MLB or not every, every like Madden and NBA game nowadays has like that sort of like career mode where you're doing like interviews with the media and you have like choice dialogue choices where you can kind of choose how you want your guy to be and stuff like that. Like training exercises to help you improve your stats, that kind of thing. So right. that was an important feature, but more importantly, I think in well, my opinion, <laughs> Why I keep coming back. <laughs> yeah, so the thing that's got me coming back to the show for years is what they call Diamond Dynasty. And they, they really implemented, I think it already came out technically in, in the MLB 12 version, but they didn't really iterate on it until 2013 with MLB 13, the show. So that's when they expanded Diamond Dynasty greatly. They really focused more on the online set of features like collecting cards, selling cards on the market, uh, you know, just focusing more on those. Like sort making of, a virtual trading card collection. Yeah. Like nowadays, obviously, like everybody talks about the FIFA Ultimate yes. and Madden doing the card thing, but I think baseball was one of those first. Around the show, I should say, was one of those first, the first franchise that really jumped in heavy on yeah. the on the collecting card sort well, of market. It's it's most akin to real life though, too. Like you, right. people in real life collect baseball cards exactly. and not Madden and mm-hmm. FIFA cards. So yeah, so I think yeah, of all the MLB, uh, MLB the show games that came out in the last generation, I think thirteen is the most important for that uh, right. for that reason, and. We'll leave off this list with another Tyler personal favorite that Uh most people seem to hate on. Uh, 2013. So this will be pretty much like, yeah, this is like pretty much the end of the PS3 generation. Like PS4 is coming out now. So this game looks great for a PS3 game. I think it looks good today. But uh, another Ubisoft game on the list. Wow, poor Ubi. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, Splinter Cell Blacklist. Now, I'll just preface by saying... This is different than the other Splinter Cell games. I understand why people revere the other PS3 Splinter Cell games, like the, uh, what are they called? Double Agent? No, no, even even before that, I'm talking about like Chaos Theory, Pandora, Mm. Tomorrow, there's another one, but uh, yeah, Double Agent was okay. Uh, Like, I know that in this one, what really annoyed people is they changed the voice actor. The original voice actor for Sam Fisher, who is a a Canadian actor, actually called Michael Ironside. His voice is amazing for Fisher. Now, in this case, they went with a younger guy, for the Sam Fisher role, which is a little weird. He's still a good actor, in my opinion, a good voice actor, but it's so jarring not to hear. Yes. This guy you're so used to hearing play Sam for the last like decades. So that threw people off right away. Also, the mission structure in this one is very different. Um, It's not, there is still stealth involved, but it is definitely much more of a third person shooter. You can play it aggressively if you want, or you can still play stealthy. And what I like about this game is just the variety. It is going to keep me coming back and like replaying missions over and over because there's a point structure in the missions based on how you play. I, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but I want to say like the different ways they would classify these types would be like Predator, Panther, and Assault, I want to say. Okay. So basically Predator obviously means you're playing super stealthy, like you're not being seen, you're hiding bodies, that kind of thing. Um, uh, Panther, I think, is more like you're stealthy, but you're being aggressive, like you're killing people instead of knocking them out. Okay. Uh, maybe you're not necessarily avoiding everybody. And then aggressive is just like you're going in guns blazing with like an assault rifle, no yeah. silencers or nothing. So... Uh, no matter how you play, the game still rewarded you with points to unlock. There's like a huge customization suite on this game. You can unlock more gear for Sam, like his goggles and other like armor. Like you could choose armor that would make you quieter, so you're better at oh, stealth. Okay. I was gonna say, is it just you could choose stuff that would give you more armor if you want to go aggressive, like take more shots. Right. Uh, but yeah, so like after the after the mission ends, you get a point system, and it would tell you like how you played. So you could be like 100% Panther, or you'd be like 50% mm-hmm. Predator, 50% Assault. And either way, you get points towards what what method you were going to right so i thought that was cool it kept me coming back to replay the game over and over but also i think the story was really good too i think the villain was compelling i think it was a cool setup with like having them you sam and his team having them on this plane sort of like an air force one type plane like you're always in the air uh 
taking on these you do a briefing for a new mission and basically you would just like they would the plane would just like parachute you off somewhere or you would land somewhere else and go off on a mission in another country that kind of thing but the story kept me coming back as well and uh i think it's a really great game i think it, it's, it was so good that it didn't even come back yeah like, like, this might have killed the splinter cell <laughs> franchise that just pains me to say because i like i like splinter cell conviction as well mm-hmm. but i like blacklist more i think blacklist has much more variety and more replayability to it uh, compared to conviction and i'm sad to say that I, I really hope that they can bring black splinter cell in some aspect i wouldn't even mind seeing a remaster of this game it still looks good nowadays even like a conviction blacklist like together remastered. right yeah oh i buy that day one for uh-huh. sure that's amazing <laughs> but yeah so again that's one of those 10 games i hope you guys take away something from that find one of those gems maybe that you if i had to throw two into the mix that i'd say you really want to try driver san francisco or splinter cell blacklist those are my two recommendations oh, what is this for second yeah, yeah, Split Second's a close third. Yeah, I love Split Second as well. But those those two I mentioned are, are my some of my personal faves from last generation. They could probably still even be on my top ten from the last decade, even if you include the current gen. Probably. Like, I'd probably still put Blacklist of Driver San Francisco much on my about list. about them. Yes, yes, you have. <laughs> okay, well, hey, thanks for listening, guys. Um, we'll be back again next week, obviously, with another topic. I'll try and get some more movie stuff in next week for those people that don't like video games. <laughs> If you, if you sat through listening to us, I appreciate it. I hope you can take something away from it. And if you tuned out early, that's okay too. I understand. I'll, I'll try and balance it out more next week. Cool. Have a good day. Boys. Boys.